many are amazed at God's goodness to you. And just think a few minutes, you can figure that out real quick. So good to be with you tonight. Thank you for being here in church. Young people, thank you for coming. Single adults, thank you for being here. Young married couples that have children, and you just get them down for a nap. It's time to get up and get them back down here. And I see young couples from North Chicago. I see folks from Hebron and Couts and different places a long ways, Valparaiso. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Let's be faithful to the Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful testimony that you care about the things of God. heard a sweet testimony today that blesses my heart. I want to embarrass anybody, but one of our young men that's in grade school, he made a commitment to give to missions. It's not a lot for an adult, but it's a lot for a child who doesn't even have an income. But he's been working every week to make sure he's praying that God would give him the money he needs, not only to tithe, but to give to missions every week. Last two weeks, he didn't, he didn't have a job. So he took a gift card he had, and he sold his gift card so he could have enough money to put uh, his week this week and last week. And you know, if a, if a fourth grader can do that, boy, all of us ought to do something for the Lord, don't you think? The passionate, the, dis- the discipline, the determination to say, this is what God wants me to do. So since March, he has done every single week had to get a little creative there, but how many believe God's going to bless someone like that? And, uh, and that's something he'll be glad he did in heaven. And I, it grieves me when people have fighting about that whenever they could do it. I love what Apostle Paul says about giving. Obviously, your tithe is something we need to do, and I think there's no argument about that in my opinion. Uh, I think it's, it's something we owe it to the Lord. We should give it to We should return it to him. But when it comes to giving to world evangelism or extra things, he said, you know, Herein I give you my advice. This is expedient for you. I speak not by commandment. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. But I tell you, you don't have to give to that, but I think you'll be glad you did when you stand for God one day. And when you hear the stories of people come to know Christ and you meet your brothers and sisters and that you, through your prayers and your participation, did something about that, you'll be glad you did. And then the example of other people. You know, sometimes the... The strongest givers in the church are not the most wealthy givers in the church. And people who give systematically give more substantially. And I want to encourage you, everybody, let's keep giving to the Lord. I believe it's something about that. Here's what I think is a byproduct of giving, is God will start calling people more so to go to the mission field. And we had a young man stand here last week and said, I believe God's called me to be a missionary. That doesn't happen without a church that gives to the Lord and prays for missionaries. I believe that's what happens. I want to thank you for that. We're in our last Sunday night of August, and we've been talking about committed to God's heritage, investing in our children. Each of the Sunday nights of August have been talking a little bit about kids. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you're a mom or dad, you ought to read Deuteronomy chapter 6. You ought to dissect it. I've read it scores of times since... Uh, in preparation of this, and I don't think I understand it. I was praying with Brother Randy tonight. I said, man, Lord, I've read this so many times, I still don't think I got my handle on it. I, I want to be a blessing to people. But I thought about this right here, too, is in, um, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, by faith, Isaac blessed Esau and Jacob. By faith, he blessed them concerning things to come. You know, one thing that every parent ought to want to do is to bless your kids. We see that, uh, that Jacob blessed his grandkids, Manasseh and Ephraim. 
He was getting ready to die, and Joseph brought him, and he blessed him. He said, I want you to bless my grand. I want you to bless my boys. And I think all of us ought to have it in our heart. What can I do to bless our kids? And that's interesting. By faith, he blessed them. One of the best things you can do for your kids is practice faith. <laughs> Be a faithful person. The most important thing about it is our faith in God. What comes to our mind when we think about God. But be faith-filled yourself. I think that would be a good idea. Another thing I see that Isaac did for his kids is he was a powerful example of faith himself. Number two, the Bible says that he said to them, come near to me. You can read about this yourself in Genesis chapter 27, verse 26. He brought them close to him. Mom and dad, you got to bring your kids close to you. The devil naturally wants to disconnect you from your children. You've got to keep, you got to stay in them and keep them close to you. Keep talking to them. Keep getting them, get them close. The, the world wants to take them away from you. The public school wants to take them away from you. They don't want to even tell you what's going on. Uh, every wise young, young, and by the way, Christian schools, we exist, a Christian school exists to be an extension of a Christian home. Every teacher needs to understand that the greatest ambassador you have for that child is their mom and dad. Stay in touch with them. Let them be, let them be, let them be uh, not adversarial, but boy, let them be your advocates in that work. Moms and dads, let your school teacher, you, you pray for your teacher. They're spending seven and a half hours a day with your young person. You ought to pray that God will bless them. Pray for your Sunday school teacher. Support them. Encourage them. But uh, he says, Draw, come near to me. You bless your kids by being a powerful example. You bless your children by your presence and bringing them close to you and talking to them and taking them places and going places and spending time. As I've shared with you many times, the devil wants to get fathers in particular angry, abusive, uh, addicted, aloof, separated, or absent altogether. I think people that bless their children spend time with them. And sometimes children see love, and they spell love, T-I-M-E. Quality and quantity. Had a, a pastor asked me today about that, and I, I'm convicted because I want to make sure that I do spend the appropriate time that I should spend with our children and give them quality time. I would encourage you, mom and dad, learn to write notes to your kids. Write notes. Write it out. Write out your love to them. Write out your, your information. Let them have a, a tangible reminder of your thoughtfulness to them. Nowadays, we just don't do that. We just text, we call, we leave messages, we email. But well, I'm just telling you, those things are out there somewhere. But a tangible letter with your handwriting would be something very valuable to your child, to your grandchild. Write it out. But stay close to them. I find another thing he did, he, he kissed them. And I think it means just showing loving affection. If there's three things that kids need, if this is true, they need affection, direction, and correction. Affection is touch, loving touch, caring about them. Uh, physically, uh, in no way should we ever tolerate any kind of abuse. Uh, physically, emotionally, whatever else you want to talk about, I, I'm against it. I'm, anybody who gets hurt or anybody you know getting hurt, a child that's uh, being sexually abused or that way physically, I think it needs to be reported. I'm not, I'm not put up with that stuff. It's not what we ought to do. And anytime I fear about it, and we've done that many times, I don't like it. But I'm telling you what, you don't want to hurt a child. But I think children do need loving, kind, tender affection. He brought them in. He kissed them. He loved them. We need proactive conversation with them. 
He spoke with them. He communicated with them. You know, one thing I heard um, Brother John Francis say this week that's really resonated with me. He said, you know, when you elevate communication, you decrease imagination. You know, sometimes when you don't talk to one another as a husband and wife, you know what happens? Your mind, your mind goes goofy. You start imagining things. And listen, let me just tell you something. You, you can do that if you want to, but the Bible says casting down imaginations. Don't use that as an excuse and a crutch for why you have problems, but elevate communication you reduce imaginations. Talk to each other. Talk to your children. Let them know that you love them. You say, well, I told them last year. Okay, well, tell them again. <laughs> More communication, less imaginations. A lot of things can be taken away if we just can communicate with our children. Bless them. Uh, give them plenteous exposure to the Word of God. Keep, keep asking them. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Word of God tell us? Is there a verse of Scripture that we can apply to that situation? I believe these are things that we can do to bless our children. But tonight we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm just going to take a few principles here. This is a whole boatload of information. But let's begin in verse number 1. Can we please? Deuteronomy chapter 6. And once again, as Brother Abdel mentioned, it is a book of remembrance. Most of these kids, and they're young. They're 40 years and younger. Uh, the two oldest people are Caleb and, and, and Joshua. Maybe their wives are also with them in this situation. Everybody else has died off in the last 40 years. Now they're, 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 everyone here is in that group. Now, they, most of which did not, if they came across the Red Sea on dry ground, they came across in the arms of their parents. Most of them do not remember that, or they do, they're very young. And then, but now everybody... Is 40 years and younger, and Moses is old. He's not going to get to go in the promised land. But God's going to rehearse the Ten Commandments again in the early chapters of, of uh, Deuteronomy 5. He's going to rehearse that. And they're getting ready to go across. They're going to transfer a leader into Joshua. You hear the love of God is first mentioned in Deuteronomy. In the word encourage is first mentioned in Deuteronomy. And he tells God's people, he says, listen, Moses says, encourage Joshua. Encourage your leader. Encourage your Sunday school teacher. Encourage your mom, your dad. Encourage leader, your coach at school, your, your teacher. Encourage them. Don't be a source of burden. Be a source of blessing. He says encourage them. That we find that for the first time. Deuteronomy has a lot of first things in it. Even though it's the fifth book of the Bible, a lot of new concepts are mentioned here. And God tells Moses, Moses, prepare them now and cause them to remember some things. And Moses doesn't get too many chapters into Deuteronomy before he says, listen, your kids are important. Your kids are important. They've got to figure out some things because if you don't get it, mom and dad, they're not going to get it. Look, if you would please, at chapter 5, if you would, and look at verse number 29. Read it out loud with me. Chapter 5, verse 29. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me always. Hey, let me tell you something. God loves your kids. God wants your kids to have peace. He wants them to have prosperity. You're his kids too. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to handle your finances well. He wants to be, he wants to be obviously the most casual observer that this guy is blessed by God. You know, when I send our, our kids or go places, I want them to be blessed. I want them to be a blessing where they go. And God wants you to do the same thing. He wants that. He says, I want... Oh, that there would be a heart in them that would fear the Lord 
that would be good to them and be good to their children. One of the things that we have a struggle with, even in this room, with some of the best people on the planet, in my opinion, is some of us have a poor opinion of God's opinion of you. <laughs> You're thinking that God's trying to smack you around. You're thinking that God's not really good. If he were good, then I would have had this by now, and I would have had this, and I wouldn't have had this problem, this so, so situation. Listen, let me tell you, you've got some stinking thinking going on. You realize that God is good, and he's always right. He tells us he is, believe it. Amen. Trust him, even in the bad times of life. Don't get a bad attitude toward God. God's always good, he's always right, and Satan wants to tell us that he's not. And if you don't trust someone, you will not listen to them. Satan is trying to get you not to trust the Lord. We don't want to be there. He said, I wish they had a heart to fear me, to recognize my presence. And one of the things you're trying to do for your children, I'm trying to do for my children, is to make their transition out of my home uh, into, the, into the authority of the Lord a very smooth transition. I would like for them to leave my home one day and say, man... God's a lot like my dad. God's a lot like my mom. This hadn't been too hard at all. It's been beautiful to see that. Now, that my kids can't all testify to that. I'm sure some of them have some shock treatment sometimes. Like, man, God's not like my dad. I had to learn that one the hard way. I should have figured that out. We ought to make it a really a smooth transition for them. He says, I want you to create in your heart a heart to fear God, a heart that would be a, that understand that God has your best interest in mind, and he has your kids' best interest in mind. He loves your kids. Now, let's go back to what I told you before I went off on a rabbit trail there. Here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now, these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments. He just listed the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. And he said that your God commanded to teach you that ye might uh, do them. He said, what do you find out God wants you to do it? I want you to understand it. I want you to do it in the land whether you go to possess it. Verse number two, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, grandchildren, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Because I want you to live long and full and, and uh, blessed. Verse number, verse number three, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. By the way, are there blessings in obeying the word of God? <laughs> yeah. He said, I want it to be well with you. By the way, this is a promise of God. Don't, don't believe anything different. That it might be well with thee. By the way, I, I'm sure there's someone here tonight that say, Pastor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't even want to be here tonight. You're here because your mom and dad are bigger than you. <laughs> Maybe because you still like living at your house. So you just show up. There happens sometimes. Well, I tell you what, I just want to remind you, young people, if you are a child of God, you need to figure out one thing in particular when it comes to God. Why did he give you so much light? Why did he birth you into the home you're in? Why did he send a bus captain to your house? Why did he put you in a Christian school? Why did he give you a Sunday school teacher? You've got to figure that out. Young couple, you ought to think about that. Of all the people on the planet, why did God give you such an insight and, and, uh, and, and light into your life? And if you can figure that out, here's another thing you ought to do. You ought to surrender to the one who gave you all that light. Then you ought to get training. 
You ought to get involved. You ought to get in all with both feet and decide, you know what? If God's given me this much, to whom much is given, God expects more from you. I think sometimes the young people are trying to get out of Christianity. I told you on Wednesday night, uh, or that story of Ted Turner, who said he was raised in a Christian home. He's the guy who, who did all the Turner Network and the CNN and, and all the foolishness that takes place in that, out of that organization. But he said, the farther I get away from the Christianity, the better I feel. You know why he said that? Because he wasn't saved. That's why he said that. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. No one wants to be in a light up, lit up room when they're trying to do stuff in the dark. He said, the farther I get away, and if that's your story, you ought to get a checker from the neck up and make sure you're saved. And if you are saved, you ought to get a revival and say, God, draw a circle around yourself and ask God to bring a revival to that circle. And start with appreciation. Start with gratitude. You look in Romans chapter 1, you see the decad, the, the decad lifestyle of people who've gone away from God. And it starts out with, neither were they thankful. You got a bad attitude, why don't you go up in front of your mom and dad tonight before you even get out of your car and say, mom and dad, thank you. Once you get on your knees and I say, God, thank you for everything you've ever given me. Thank you for every class I take, every, every Sunday school teacher I've had, every school class, every dollar of tuition has been paid for me. Thank you for every gallon of diesel fuel that's got me to and from on the bus. And start out with gratitude. And by the way, you say, well, that's good, Pastor. I'm glad you're telling that. Those 17-year-old kids, I know I need that. Hey, listen, if you're 71, you need it too. <laughs> All of us need to get an attitude of gratitude. Show our appreciation to God. Most of us are thankful. We just don't give the thanks. If I ask you, you're glad you had a food today. Yeah, 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 sure. When do we thank the Lord for that? We're glad we have a good church to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When do we thank God for that? Are you glad you got the truth? You're not in a mosque. You're not in a kingdom hall. You haven't been indoctrinated in some kind of foolish doctrine. You've been given the truth. You've got to figure out why God gave you that much truth and what he wants you to do with that. You're going to go out there and just get enough money so you can hold a Starbucks glass and an iPhone and get your name on a phone and get a picket fence and say, I'm really arrived? Maybe all right, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Dunkin' Donuts would be better than Starbucks, but... Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. That's not what life's about. Getting the next tennis shoe that's on the market. Playing the next video game and conquering that. Rah, rah, rah. You're defeating people all over the world. And see where that holds. Why well, you're going you're gonna to really make a lot of money. You're going to be so... You'll be, you'll, see what... That, that's going to be embarrassing to stand for a God. I did win a video game, you know. Hours and hours of wasted time oftentimes. I think it's all right occasionally to enjoy the pleasures of life. We give ourselves too much pleasure. Oh, James 5, he's the hard hitter. You rich men weep and howl for the misery that's going to come upon you. Why are we going to be so miserable? Why? Because you save too much. Your gold and silver's cankered. Your clothes are moth-eaten because you didn't matriculate. You didn't, you didn't put them into, into usage. You just let them sit there and pack more and more in there. Your gold and silver, rather than investing in the things of God, you just kept it and kept it and kept it. You saved too much. And you live for, live for pleasure, like a cow or a pig that just gets fattened up for his death. 
So you spend your time and your money just getting another enjoyable thing rather than realizing why God put us on the planet, why he gave us so much. He said, I want people to fear the Lord. That's what the Lord's telling us here. He's going to tell them in a little bit later in the, in the chapter, and you read it with me. He said, when you get in there and you drink waters out of wells you didn't dig, and you pick grapes out of vineyards you didn't plant, and you enjoy the milk and honey that flows there, the, the crops and the agriculture and the cows and all the things that are there, and then you'll forget that everything you have, God gave you. You didn't, you didn't do all that stuff. God brought it to you. I was talking to a man the other day, and he said to me, well, I'm just a self-made man. you got rooms to rent upstairs. None of us are self-made. I pull myself up my own bootstraps. Try that, fam. I don't know how you can do that. Nobody does that. Everything we have, if it weren't for the grace of God, two and two wouldn't bring four to you. Wasn't for the grace of God, you couldn't find your mouth this morning and put your cereal in your mouth. Everything we can do, God's given to us. You don't want to forget that. And boy, of course, the whole Deuteronomy is about that. Let's go back to our passage if we can. And the Bible tells us here in verse number four, Hear, O Israel, O Lord, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I'm so glad we have a God. He's one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. He said, here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on loving me with everything that's in you, with your soul, with all your might. He said, I want you to love me with all your heart, everything about you, loving God. Boy, that'd be a great thing to do, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you went, to your, went into the presence of the Lord and everybody said, man, that guy loved God. I, I would like nothing more than my kids would say one day when I'm old, I'm, when they're, they're preparing my funeral, they would say, man, Dad, Dad loved God. He loved him with all he had. That'd be wonderful. It's what God wants for us. See, I want you to remember, first of all, he's one God and you should love him. <laughs> the Bible tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 3, if any man love God, same is known of him. If you love God, we know it. If you don't love God, we know it. We can see it. God uses the thermometer. If you want to know what the temperature of this building is, you look over at the thermometer and it'll tell you the temperature of this building, what it is, what's the air like. If you want to find the temperature of my love and your love, and your, your, your love, if we really love God, we'll look on the thermometer of obedience to God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Say, well, I, I love God. We all know it. You'll be obedient. The deeper you go in your love for the Lord, the higher your ceiling becomes, and mine too. The more I'm willing to give and serve and participate in the things of God. And it's all about loving God. Say, I want you to remember, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything that's in you. Really, that's the love question. It's not about dress. It's not about standards. You know what standards and dress are about? Movies and all that stuff. It's about love. <laughs> You love God, you don't want to do things that are counterproductive to Him. If you love God, you're not interested in pornography. It may be a challenge you have to fight, but loving God will take care of that. Faithfulness to church, what's it about? Love God. It's, just, it's, it's, it's about the love factor. He says, I want you to love me with all your heart. By the way, that's one of the things we can do for our kids. You can read a thousand books on child reading and try to practice the whole thing, but you probably can fix things a lot better if you just fall deeply in love with God. Spend time with him. Learn of him. You're going to find some things that your kids are going to learn by osmosis. 
Let's look at the next verse. The Bible tells us in verse number six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, I want you to have them in you first, mom and dad. And then thou shalt teach them how. What does that mean to you diligently? On purpose. On purpose, diligently. Gets, get, get, get really, it's hard work. But do the hard thing. Thou shalt teach them diligently. Teach them the word of God to thy children. And thou shalt talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house... When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Basically, he's saying all the time, everywhere, in every stage of life, to every child. Keep on teaching the Bible. Keep on making things. And do it when, they, when they're standing up, when they're laying down. When you walk by the way, when they go to bed at night. I think one of the times, we oftentimes, and, and uh, sometimes we're so tired as parents. But the truth of the matter is, kids are usually ready to listen at night when, they, when it's time to go to bed. They don't want to go to bed. <laughs> so that's when they'll listen to you. It's when we can talk about some things and share with them things. Those of you who have little children, it's a great time. Older kids, oftentimes, I'm about ready to go cross-eyed. I'm so tired. And then one of our big, tall drink of waters will come lay across the foot of the bed. And I'll say, I can't hang with you, man. You've got to go. I'm tired. But, but Linda will say, John, this is a valuable time. And then I put... Toothpicks on my eyelids and try it again. These are some sweet times. Just a few few days when you're raising children. Days are long, but you know the uh, days can be long, but the years are short. But there's times I wish that we had a kid laying across the bed, talking to us whenever they're living in California or now they have their own families. And I miss that. Then take advantage of those opportunities. But teach your kids all the time. Every child. In every circumstance, just keep giving them truth. Stay with them. Keep talking with them. Kids need to be talked to. Wives, husbands need to be talked to. We're oftentimes very lazy in, in, in our communication skills. And, boy, we need to keep on running. I, some, I admire so many dads and moms in this room, and we can tell you're spending some time with your children. You've got their heart. I love it when I find a child that obviously their dad, their mom, they have their heart. It means mom and dad has been investing time. And the stability of your marriage gives, and, and, your, and your reality of your life gives your children a great catapulting effect upon their future and upon their love for Christ. Then he tells us in verse number 8, But thou shalt bind them as a sign upon thy hand, and thou shalt be front, they shall be frontlets between thy eyes, basically reminding us personally, continually, practically, scripturally, we need to keep, God's truths in front of us. Verse number nine, thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and upon thy gates and openly. Don't be a double standard about that. Verse number 10, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware to thy fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and give the great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of good things which thou, thou fillest not, and Wells dig, which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then verse number 12, read it with me. Then, lest thou forget the Lord out of the land of Egypt from the house. By the way, always be careful about possessions. Possessions can get very possessive. If you're like Linda and I, when we were young and dumb, and we're just older and dumb now, but we were young and dumb, 
We were just we were just scratching for everything, trying to take care of diapers and and baby food and all the things, and trying to take care of the the physical things. But as time goes on, you do a little bit better usually. You get a little bit more freedom financially. But don't get comfortable and put your faith in riches. Keep your faith. And when God raises your standard of, of living and gives you more money, don't just raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. Look for ways in which you can do that. Manage things with wisdom and, and then remind yourself, you know, your kids, they're watching you. We oftentimes have spoiled our kids, oftentimes compared to what we grew up with. And sometimes you could say the same thing, but we've got to remind them, listen, a man's life does not consist of the things that he owns, he possesses. No, life is not about possessions, it's about God. And he says, don't forget the Lord. And he says here, he says, I want you to fear the Lord always. I want to just tell you two things in closing tonight. Number one, one of the greatest things you can have in your life, and young people, listen to me, you need the fear of the Lord. Doesn't mean to walk around, I'm nervous that God's going to whack me on the head or cause me. Fear of the Lord is a conscious awareness that he's with me. And God has so many blessings for people who fear the Lord. You can read Proverbs. I encourage you to do it. Proverbs and Psalms have most of those benefits. He said, the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. He says, the fear of the Lord is, is, a, is, a, is a, a refuge, a strong, a strong uh, courage. It gives you courage, confidence. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children have a place of refuge. Fearing the Lord. Let me just tell you two ways that I know that you learn the fear of the Lord. You can look it up for yourself. I looked it up again this week. I don't think there's another place in the Bible quite like it. But he said there's two ways we learn that God is real. One is in our relationship with the Word of God. You can read in Deuteronomy chapter 4 where the Bible says, I want your kids to hear the Bible because when they hear the Bible, they will learn to fear the Lord. You know why you got saved if you're saved? Because someone showed you the Bible. And when I got saved, I knelt beside a bed and talked to a God I've never seen. I accepted a gift I didn't have tangibly, but I did it all solely upon what someone told me from the Bible. The night I sat across the street over here in the Jack Howells Moratorium up in the balcony in the center section as a 13-year-old eighth grader, and I said, Lord, I will surrender to do whatever you want me to do. You know why I did that? Because I just heard 45 minutes worth of preaching. And at the end of hearing the word of God and a whole week of preaching before that, I was like, okay, you're a real God and I'll submit to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And once again, I knelt and cried like a little girl telling God I would do anything you wanted me to do. And all I heard was the word of God. Because the word of God brings realness to God. It makes you know God's with you. We're drinking our bath water and whistling the wind if we think we're going to have a fear of God without the word of God. We have to have a relationship. Matter of fact, you can look in Deuteronomy chapter 4, chapter 17, uh, and chapter 31. Both of the, all three of those places tell us that our fear of God is learned when we give attention to the scriptures. When we hear it. When a king was to be a king of Israel. In Deuteronomy, the Bible, Moses said, and when we have a king one day, we're not supposed to have a king, we're supposed to be a theocracy, but when you have a king, here's what you need to do. His first job as a king is to write out Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the law. Write it out. 
in Deuteronomy, just write out the Word of God and keep your own copy of it and read it. Because when you read the Word of God, when you let the Word of God, when you know what it says, you've written out, you have your own copy and you read it, you will learn to fear God. And then you'll have knowledge and wisdom and all the good things that come with that. The second thing the Bible tells us that teaches us the fear of God is learning to return the tie that belongs to God. I'll let you see it real quickly. I don't know if anybody has a problem with this, but I think it's important to see it. Chapter 14 of Deuteronomy. Something happens when a teenager, a child, learns to return what belongs to God. And it's in the Old Testament. Abraham tithe, Jacob committed the tithe. It's in the law. It's before God closed out the Old Testament. Jesus did it. He spoke about it in, in Hebrews. I do believe it's God's method all the way through the Bible. If you don't agree with that, you should at least give more than the tithe since you know how God thinks about it and that you know who Jesus is now. I would think if people had enough courage to tithe before the cross, after the cross, they ought to be crazy about it and forget the 10%. It's the training wheels. It's not what God expects. It's, I think it's where God starts. But he does say that. I want you to look and see the promise. It's the same God in the Old Testament as the New Testament. But he said this, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. He said, I want you to be honest, truly tithe. And thou shalt eat before the Lord in thy place, in the place before thy God, in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. That was the place where they went to worship. And tithe of thy corn, and thy wine, and thy oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and thy flocks. I want you to read the rest of the verse, verse 23, with me. Ready? That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord. I'll tell you, friend, I'm just, I know this is, you're going to probably say, oh, Pastor, what does that have to do with child rearing? I think one of the best things any Christian can do for your child and young person for you is be honest with your giving. Be honest. I think you'll have more wisdom raising kids by a dad and mom who learn to give generously to the Lord and are at least honest with the Lord. Because when you do that, when you hear God's word and you return God's tithe, you'll learn the presence of God upon your life. How many would like to have the presence of God upon your life? I would. Years ago, and I'll give this illustration, and, and it may or may not be applicable, but I preached, I, I pastored in Long Beach, and there was a man who stood on this side of the auditorium. There was a man who stood on this side of the auditorium. They both worked at the same place. One time, a man over here came to me, and he told me, he said, look, you know, I'm about to lose my, my marriage. I can't, I can't even buy shoes for my kids. I'm going through a hard time. Pastor, I need some help. I don't know what to do. You've got to help me with my marriage, help with this right there. And this guy was faithful. Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. And he said, I'm just having a hard time. I said, okay. And I said, I, and I want to help you. And I, I did help him some financially. And I worked out some things and helped him. I said to him, I said, let me ask you something. Are you an honest giver to the Lord? He said, you know, I tried that. It's just not work for me. Just haven't been able to do it. I just got all these problems. I, I can't, there's no way I can honestly do that. I said, you know, here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to help you some, but, and it won't be enough for you, but I want to encourage you, going forward, the best time to start tithing is today. Prove me now. 
Don't wait till I get a good job. If you find $10, give one to God. <laughs> if someone gives you a gift, then get divided by 10. It takes two things to tithe honestly. It takes arithmetic and obedience. Do the math and return it to the Lord. I, he said, you know what, I, I'll consider that. I consider that. He said, I probably need to do that. But I didn't talk to him too much. But I fast forward, fast forward about a year and a half later. And he scheduled another point with me. And this time he just said, he didn't talk about it. He goes, I, I'm having a horrible time. He said, but I'm really fired up. I'm mad. I said, what are you mad about? So I'm mad at God. I said, why? He said, you know what? I've been sitting in the same services, and he named the guy who sat across the auditorium from him. He said, I know how much he makes because we work at the same place. I used to work at the same place. As I see his kids, they respect him. They're good. They do this right here. And I see my kids. I'm just, they're going to hell in a handbasket. They're not doing good. My wife's mad at me. I was trying to get them to Christian school. I can't pay for nothing. He went on and on. He goes, it's not right. I sit in the same church with them every service for the last year and a half. And he goes, God's blessing him, but he's not blessing me. I said, wow. I said, let me ask you something. I called his name again. I said, remember we talked? I think you talked about this about a year and a half ago. Said, yeah, yeah, I came by. I said, nothing's changed. I said, have you given to the Lord your tithe? He goes, I, I thought you were going to ask me that. No, I haven't done it. You know, tithing and giving the Lord creates the, the, the presence of God upon your life. Hearing God's word, returning God's tithe are two things that teach us the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord has many benefits, not only for you, but for your children. This is not a lesson about tithing. It's not, it's not trying to, I'm just telling you, it's a no-brainer. If you do that, you're going to find, if you're honest in that area, and don't, don't create any kind of exception that you have. Just decide. If God expected that from his Old Testament Christians, I think I'm going to do the same thing and some. Work diligently. Associate carefully. Live simply. And give honestly and generously. I think it's some of those things. In our church, we, we've never had, in the eight and a half years, I've been any better times than we have now financially. God's been so good to us. We're getting ready to sign our loan. God's going to help us. There's so many blessings we have. And I'm not trying to get more out of anybody in this room. I am trying to get God's presence upon your life. If you have God's presence, you'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better mama, better daddy, better son. Teenagers, if you can learn this, and children, if you can learn to start young, giving to the Lord, you're going to escort yourself through so many. God's going to escort you through so many trials and blessings with his help that you will not experience any other way. Let's pray that God will help us today.